Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. If you have your Bibles, please open them with me to James chapter 1 going to just read verses 1 through 3 and then I'm going to skip down to verse 12. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let me skip over to verse 12 as well. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Because I do believe that loving God without a question is the key to to enduring trials. We've talked about that. We all have trials. We are all enduring trials. You may have been tried coming down. Uh, my road and my trip down this morning, I come up to Wilson Way, trying to make a left turn, waiting for the arrow. And I'm thinking about the message and the green light, and the guy doesn't go. And I'm sitting there thinking, come on, let's go. And thinking about my message and thinking how quickly I am losing it because I gotta get to church. <laughs> and then I'm thinking and reminded what my wife would say, is that what Jesus would do? <laughs> is that how Jesus would have replied? And you're on your way to church and you're angry at this guy because you missed the light? Is that a trial? Well, probably not. (laughs) In the scope of things, that's probably not a real trial, is it? And it made me look at myself. It made me look at, count it all joy when that guy doesn't take the green light. (laughs) Count it all joy when you fall into whatever it might be that will cause you to step out of your Christian character. That will cause you to step out of where you should be. Because loving God is without question the key to enduring trials. Anything that shows a regenerated soul, a saved life, ought to reflect the love of God. We ought to be reflecting. That's really the bottom line here. True Christians are designated in verse 12. For he says, the very last part of verse 12 that which the Lord has promised to those who love Him. We know He's talking about and talking to the children of God here because they love God. So James is going to give us a whole series of tests. We're going to look at that in a moment. But I think that you can see that in any relationship, even on a human level, 
Where the bond of love is strong, it will sustain all kinds of adversity. It will sustain all kinds of trials, all kinds of troubles. And it is that bond that ties a, a man or a woman to God is that bond of love. That's what's going to hold us. It's not just superficial affection. We're talking here of not just sentiment and not a sentiment that's selfish. We're talking here about a bond that is beyond what we know of in this area, in this, in this life. It is that true bond of love that will endure any trial. It's not the selfish kind of bond that I'm going to love God as long as He gives me what I want. I'll stick around as long as God's doing things my way. But when it really starts to hit home, when the guy doesn't go, when it's a green light, that's maybe silly and something, but I have to really look at myself and examine because there are some things that do not prove true love. They don't show a saving faith. They don't show the kind of life that we want to be showing. And so what then does prove saving faith. Well, certainly saving faith is based upon that genuine love of God. And what proves that love is really genuine? It's what's going to show that it's a, it demonstrates a true bond of love. Well, that's what James is talking about. Because as I said, James talks and gives us a whole series of tests. Later in chapter 1, we'll talk about the test of blame in temptation. And there's the test of how we respond to the Word. Then there's a test of our impartial love to others. The test of our righteous works. The test of the tongue. The test of humble wisdom. The test of worldly indulgence. The test of dependence. The test of patience. The test of truthfulness. And the test of prayerfulness. But now, in all of those tests, we're talking about in the beginning of these tests, we're talking about the test of endurance through trials. It really reveals whether love is strong, if it's that strong bond, or whether it's a genuine love, because true faith is sustained by true love that is going to persevere. Back to verse 2. He says, My brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into various or into varied temptations. We talked about that so much last week. In verse 3, he talks about this is the validity of our faith, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. We're going to examine these a little bit more just to kind of get caught up again, and then I want to look at some aspects. Because then Peter writes somewhat the same thing, and we talked about it over in First Peter chapter 1. We saw that in, in times past, that he talks about the genuineness of our faith, the truth of our faith is going to be demonstrated in our love and in our life. Then in verse 12, he basically kind of sums up this here in James, doesn't he? He sums it up. The man who endures trials is going to be rewarded. And he will reveal himself as the one who really does love the Lord. So then we're dealing with trials. As a test for a genuine salvation, it's got to be based on true love. Remember here the word for trials is parisimos, and it's from the word perez. We talked about that a little bit, which means to be put to the test. Sometimes our lives are put to a living test, a living faith test. 
And that's what we talked about last time. That as true Christians, we are secure in the hand of God. Do you remember we talked a little bit about that? We talked about that from a believer's standpoint. You are in the hand of God. He's holding you. But then there's also that point that we're holding on to God. We want to keep our grip on the Lord. The Lord's not going to let you fall. But He's got you in His hand. But we're also holding on. Why? Because we're those who love God. Isn't that what he said in verse 12? Because we are those who love him. We don't want to let him go because we love him. And whenever you happen to fall, and by the way, that, that's an interesting word, fall. Count it all joy when you fall into various temptations. The word is parapet. That's the Greek word. We get our idea of standing on a parapet, standing at a stumbling place. Watch out that you don't fall. It's a falling off place. Here it's it's the idea of sort of stumbling into a trial. It's used two other places in the New Testament. It's used in Luke chapter 10. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? How the traveler fell into the hands of the robbers, the thieves. He fell among thieves. And that's the same word. It's the idea of being suddenly being surprised and overtaken by thieves. It's also used by the Apostle Paul, or, or of Paul, by Luke again in Acts chapter 27, 41. Paul's talking about, or they're talking about there, Luke is talking about going over in the boat and going over to Rome. And it says that the ship fell into that place. All of a sudden, it's that idea. It fell into a rough place. It's where the two seas come together. And so as the two oceans were coming together, the two seas came together. It was like hitting a wall. And they fell into that sea, it talks about. And so the word then means something that's a surprise, unplanned. It's overtaken. It's inadvertent. It's all of a sudden. And now you're finding yourself in that condition. Have you ever fallen into a trial that, how did this, how did I get here? How did this, all of a sudden it surrounds you. And by the way, that's what the word peri means. It's all around you. Fall, when you fall into all kinds of trouble, it's going to sur surround you. It's going to be there. In other words, it engulfs you. It surrounds you. Have you ever had a trial in your life and it just seems like, you're surrounded. It's got you on every side. In all of our lives, we're going to be sort of tripped up. We're going to be surprised. We're going to be shocked into inadvertent troubles that surround us. That is life. And the intention of that means here that there seems to be no clear way out. Christ had that in Luke 22, 28. He said to his disciples, you've been with me in my Parisimos, in my trials and my troubles. You've been there. You've been with me in my difficult times, those trials. And really, there was no way out. They surrounded him. Hi. Let me interrupt very quickly to let you know and update you with some information. You can contact us at schoolofministryresources.org. All runs together. Or contact me personally at paul at landmarkstockton.com We also have online services on Facebook at Landmark Stockton that all runs together. Or if you're interested in our church history sessions, 
you can look on YouTube under Landmark Stockton, two separate words in that place. We'd love to send you information, and we're always so glad to hear from our listeners. So please feel free to contact us, and we'll get right back to you. Thank you. Now back to our podcast. Jesus never sought trouble. He always accepted them. And even our dear Lord was joyful in them. You know Hebrews 12 and verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Think of that. Despising the shame. He went to the cross with joy. Now I cannot fathom that. He went to the cross with joy because he saw the end of the effort. He knew what it was going to do. He went through it and he went through it because he looked beyond the trial and he recognized what the Father was doing. He recognized what was going to happen when the trial was over. In other words, what was going to be accomplished as the result of the trial. Now, if we can, in our trials and in our life, if we can see the end of it, if we can see that God is doing something, later on in Hebrews 12, verse 10 and 11, he says, trials don't seem to be joyous. At first, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. But nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are properly exercised by that trial. I struggle because I know that some of the trials I brought on myself, and it was God's chastisement. 18 years in prison. 18 years in prison. And you know what? I fought against sometimes those trials. I wanted out. I want you to know every day of those 18 years, I wanted out. I wasn't going to do it by illegal means, but if I could do it by legal means. And so I learned everything I could about the law. For a while, I worked in the law library. And I wrote every kind of writ that I could find in the books that I could write. And I did everything. And I pressed Sylvia, you've got to get me a lawyer. You've got to get me out. I didn't recognize what God was doing in all of that. Fifteen years I fought. I went through all of the courts. My case made it to the Ninth Circuit, and then they gave me a lawyer. Because in every court, you know, there's something different. In one court, five and a half inches down, or seven and a half inches down, your name has to be there. Otherwise, they kick it out. Talk about trials. (laughs) And then the Ninth Circuit, all the other courts, they want little numbers. Well, each court has its own special directions, then you've got to follow those directions or they'll kick it out. And then we got into the U.S. Supreme Court, the final court. Less than 1% of the cases make it to the U.S. Supreme Court. And I had a hope. And you know what they told me? No more writs. No more writs. Now, I had a Christian brother way back when that told me, you know what, when I gave up all that and I just began to trust God and see that God was doing something in my life, I didn't want to hear that. I did not want to hear that I wanted out. I wanted out. And now I realize, look at that. Trials don't seem to be joyous at first. No chastisement for the present seems to be joyous. I almost just made that say something completely different. But grievous. But nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. 
and those who are properly exercised by that trial. So you see, we've got to see the end result. We've got to see what God is doing. We have to look at it and recognize that, wait a minute, He is in control. And we have to learn to cultivate the right attitude. That was what I'm preaching to me at the stoplight. <laughs> I have to cultivate the right attitude in the little things and in the big things. In every area, we all need to do that. We need to cultivate that right attitude. Why? Because our Savior, of course, He went through the pain to joy. Should we expect anything different? Do we remember back in Matthew chapter 10 when Jesus, in effect, told His disciples, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. He says that if it's sufficient for the disciple that he should be like his teacher. And what he is saying there is talking about here, it's no different than when he said, if they hated me, they hated, they'll hate you. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. In chapter 16 there of Matthew, he says, the day will come when men believe that they please God by punishing you. See, they think that they're doing God a favor. Love perseveres trial. Love perseveres. You can look at a person in a trial and we can see their faith. We can see the validity of their faith. You can see if it's holding on to God because there's no trial, no tribulation that can destroy their trust in God. There's nothing that's going to keep you from that. And then they show themselves in that trial to have a living, saving faith. Their faith is seen when they're going through those difficult times. If they bail out in the middle of the trial, sometimes they show themselves that they've had dead faith. Sometimes we just kind of shake our hand to God and we might walk away for a little bit, but God's Holy Spirit begins to work and you see Him come back. You see Him work on... How can we be victorious in our trials? Well, there's five keys that are given here that means that we persevere through trials. And first is, and this is where I want to begin, we persevere with a joyous attitude. Verse 2, I think it's so beautiful. Verse 2 starts out with the simple word, my, my brethren. James, and we've seen this is the half-brother of the Lord. He's talking about and he's identifying with those that because of the persecution had been scattered abroad, but they were my brethren. There was something close there. There was something enduring there. There was a common bond. So he embraces them. They are his Christian brothers. And to begin with, if, if we're going to persevere through various trials, if we're going to come out triumphant at the end, then we have to look at whatever that trial is and consider it a joy and have a joyous attitude and recognize sometimes the simple things. They're my brethren. I met a man. He had come up from... Tijuana with one of our missionaries. He lived in a cardboard box in Tijuana. And at that time I was working for a wholesale lumber company. We threw away more lumber than you could ever imagine. Just got rid of it. But he said, I love my, my home, this cardboard shack. Because he says, when it rains, I know that it's raining. I know that God's blessing is there. And you know why he knew? Because it was coming in underneath the cardboard into his house. Now, I don't have to have those kind of problems. Like, and he thought it was a joyful thing because God let him know that God was taking care, giving them clean water. 
taking care of those things. Well, we got a bunch of the lumber that they would have thrown away and we sent him a bunch of lumber back down to Tijuana and uh, I, I hope that he was able to just build something so that the water wouldn't come in on his dirt floor. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, I, I don't know what it's like to live in a cardboard shack. When it's raining, I don't know what that's like. Because I've seen the abundance and the blessing of God. How can I be victorious in trials? Well, in looking at these and counting all joy. And by the way, the word count, it's an aorist. Which probably doesn't mean anything to you. But it means to consider it, to evaluate it as joy. It's a command. Do this. Count it all joy. Look at the end. This is, I'm going to count this joy. I will consider this a joy. It's a conscious commitment to having a joyful attitude. Do you consciously think, I'm going to be joyous? No matter what happens. No matter what's going on. That's what Paul says to Philippians in chapter 4. I have learned that in whatever state that I am, to be content. He says that just after he said, rejoice always and again I say rejoice. Remember, during that time, Paul is a prisoner in Rome. He's sitting in a prison cell chained to a, a soldier. And he's saying, whatever state I'm in, that's okay. I'm glad. He had to be cultivating that joy in his life. He had to be causing that to grow. He had to have been doing something. And that's not something that happens by accident. He says, so my brethren, count it all joy. This is just not a portion, partial joy. This is all joy. And then notice he says, when. When you fall into, in other words, and that word when is in this particular form, it's with a subjunctive. All that means is that whenever it happens, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. You're going to have these trials. It's inevitable. You're going to face these trials. And when you do, plan ahead. Think ahead. Think about those things. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at scl.com of ministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.